Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. While this trip to Fight Island for the UFC has produced a lot of outstanding moments, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people had these final two cards of this trip highlighted on their schedules. Of course, UFC 254 goes down next weekend, but tomorrow night it is UFC Fight Island 6 in Abu Dhabi, and it looks on paper to be an absolutely perfect lead-in to that pay-per-view card, especially when you look at this fascinating featherweight main event between Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie. As we wish you a happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the UFC Fight Island 6 preview show for MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, and the full tripod is here once again as I'm being joined by Jose Youngs, who is in Abu Dhabi, and Alex K. Lee, the Prince of Positivity. And Jose, the fight that you have been looking forward to for years, the fight that you believed would never happen is nearly here. Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. And I get it, Jose. It's 2020. You've talked about this on many a preview show that the rule of thumb in 2020 is until these fighters get inside the octagon, nothing is official. But can we invoke some sort of positivity here for Pete's sakes? And either way, at least paint us a word picture as to why this fight has been atop of your anticipated fight list for years now. Are we sure Brian Ortega weighed in? I don't think I saw Brian Ortega weigh in. I saw a shaved man, a bald headed shaved man weigh in. That's not the Brian Ortega I know. Well, to be fair, he did shave his head, so he's no longer the long locked uh, Chicano fighter that we've all come to enjoy watching. He's now a bald headed man with insane fighting skills. He did say he was going to donate to locks of love. So good on him. But to answer your question, I feel a little bit of positivity considering they both weighed in. They got, they did their job. Uh, but we've seen people fall out that have weighed in. We've seen people fall out that have stared down. We've seen people fall out that got their hands wrapped. So it's not, this fight isn't happening until they're inside the octagon as far as I'm concerned. But to put it into perspective why I'm so excited about this fight, I don't think either one has ever been in a bad fight. Even when they lose, it's an unbelievable fight. Uh, Korean Zombie, I think at one point in time, was the most exciting fighter in all of combat sports. I mean, he was like the original Justin Gaethje, just going out there, uh, putting on fight of the years against Lena Garcia, getting the first twister ever in, in, in the UFC, seven-second knockout, uh, dislocates his shoulder, pops it back into 
place fight of the year and into a darsh choke against Dustin Poirier uh, comes back after two years gets a first round knockout and then just again just one of the most exciting fighters on planet earth and Brian Ortega is that same way like even his loss to Max which is one sided it was just his bot he was too tough for his own good and his body gave out and the doctor stopped it so I don't think he's ever been in a bad fight I actually think his fight against Moicano is one of the more underrated fights of the last few years in terms of action and then of course he has that amazing knockout against Clay Guida and Frankie Edgar I think he might have been one of the first fighters to stop Guida and I'm and and Frankie Edgar if I'm not mistaken of course Korean Zombie did the same thing to Frankie Edgar and then he had that amazing guillotine win over Cub Swanson so both men have basically been circling each other trying to like not unofficially they've just been one up in the, the next person over and over and over and over and they are just high octane fighters with just absurd absurd absurdly high level martial arts skills uh and i think these these two might not ever be champion they might they might still have the skills to be champion but i don't say pencil a fight in for fight of the year fight of the night but i'm gonna pencil brian ortega versus the korean zombie in for fight of the night if it happens that is wow all right so a little bit of positivity and speaking of positivity let's go to ak because Mm. we have brian ortega a man who's looking to bounce back from his first professional loss to Max Holloway nearly two years ago. If you watch his media scrum, he's a man with a different outlook on life, different outlook on the sport. He's made a lot of changes in lieu of this fight. Sure, there's a no contest mixed in, but he's finished all six. You could say he finished all seven of his UFC wins, taking on the Korean zombie who, who since he's returned from the mandatory military service, three and one, three first round finishes. The one loss was that crazy one to Yair Rodriguez, where he was a second away from winning that fight. And as Dana White said, even Alexander Volkanovsky said, the winner will likely be next for a shot at the featherweight title. So when you combine these kinds of stakes with a high level matchup like this, the way Jose just described it, I mean, this is a recipe for a memorable main event, is it not? We're talking about if there's any fight that could challenge uh, Zhang and Joanna, Wei Li and Joanna, actually, or Zhang and Joanna for fight of the year. This is it. I know I know the award is pretty much sealed. That's one of the that is one of the greatest fights you've ever seen. This fight has a storyline, stylistic matchup. Listen, just listen to the the their bonus accolades. Okay. I know I know UFC bonuses aren't the greatest gauge or anything, but I think they're a pretty solid indicator of how exciting these two guys are. Brian Ortega, his last four fights. Fight of the night against Max Holloway. Uh, performance of the night for the knockout of Frank Yeager. Performance of the night and fight of the night for his fight with Cub Swanson. And then fight of the night with Hanato Moikano. Chan Sung Jung has fought eight times in the UFC and has eight total bonuses. He also doubled. There's one fight he didn't get a bonus for, but then he made up for that by doubling up in the uh, Dustin Poirier uh, fight, which is, again, almost forgotten classic at this point, only because he and or he's just had so many exciting fights. They say all the time that so-and-so has never had a boring, you know, they used to hype up like, oh, Diego Sanchez never had a boring fight and Clay Guida's never had a boring fight. And even in their primes, that wasn't true, that you could pick up like one or two fights. This is not hyperbole. I'm, I'm, if you just look at their resumes now, I don't know if Ortega or, or, or uh, the Korean Zombie have ever been in a fight that was either not exciting or had a memorable finish. It's it's crazy. So this is as as high level a matchup as you can get at featherweight. We said the same thing when Ortega fought uh, fought for the title, fought Holloway. We said that was one of the one of the highest level um, championship contests we'd ever seen. This is about non championship. This is as high as you can get. This might be the most highly talented, highly skilled, uh, close. Uh, non-title fight of the year. I, I say that obviously because it's coming tomorrow. I'm sure if I think about it, someone will correct me. But uh, 
it's up there. I mean, I, I don't know how I don't know how much better you can get without it being a title fight. It's it's pretty incredible. Let, let me follow up with you, AK, because we can all agree that this division with the talent on the roster, super, super deep. But I mean, just to kind of build on what you just said, outside of the title fight rematch between Volkanovski and Holloway, I mean, we haven't seen a fight featuring anybody in the top five at all in 2020. So this is huge all around. So I guess my question is keeping the build up, the anticipation, all these fun, intangible things that we like to look at heading into these fights. Is this the best featherweight fight of the year, even with the title fight that happened at UFC 251? Yeah, it's got to be right. It's got to be. And and even if one of these guys goes on to fight Volkanovski, I don't think it'll be as highly anticipated uh, as this match is. And again, and it's also a style thing, because I, I think. Uh, I, I think Volkanovski is a great champion, but I think he's shown he has more a little bit more of a methodical style that isn't always crowd pleasing. I think it's great, but it definitely isn't always crowd pleasing. These two, uh, Ortega and Zombie, are just are just made for each other. I mean, yeah, you could say uh, a Zombie has the advantage on the feet. You could say Ortega has the advantage on the ground, but both guys have shown has shown skills in, in both areas. Ortega has a ton of power on the feet. His stand up is, is is still a work in progress, you know, for a guy uh, who's a grappling specialist, but he has power. I mean, he took Frankie Edgar's head off. You know, he 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 finished Clay Guida. Uh, Clay Guida's not an easy guy to knock out, and and Young uh, Jung. I mean, yes, knockout's amazing. But I mentioned the Dustin Poirier fight. That that when he beat Dustin Poirier by submission, that was like one of the most exciting things I'd ever seen. So very comfortable on the ground. The Twister. I I I totally didn't even mention the Twister. One of the one of the, at the time was the only Twister submission in UFC history. So you just couldn't have a better style matchup as far. And, and even if I'm sure people want to see an explosive finish. This one, if it goes five rounds, you know it's going to just be an insane five rounds. It's going to be like a classic, classic five-rounder. So uh, I've got – I don't know how much more free PR we can do for the uh, UFC. But, people got, <laughs> but be honest with you, people got to watch this one. This fight's just insane. Jose, like we sort of alluded to, Brian Ortega has made some significant changes in his life. He's obviously had his issues in the past with USADA. The incident with Jay Park, although it was a huge story, bit of a head-scratcher. But it seems like he's in a very good place. His focus, his mindset – all seem to be on point here. And, and Jose, you've been a part of so many of these media day scrums at this point. And I could say from listening to fighters and doing so many interviews over the year, I've many times come out of conversations having a completely different outlook on a fight than I did heading into it after hearing some of these comments and, and conversations. So after the media day scrum with Ortega, do you feel like his comments during the media day, that sort of deep look he took inside himself, being in the moment the way that he was, has that changed your outlook on this fight at all? Um, a little bit. It makes it basically makes me just wonder what Brian Ortega is going to show up. Uh, I mean, his his words were like, "I hope Abu Dhabi has good hospitals because we're both going to need it." So, uh, you know, he's expecting just a, an all out bloodbath in there. But it, he he said himself that he just had to burn a lot of bridges. It's very reminiscent of Makwan Americani's uh, media day scrum, uh, like the very week before, like one week ago, when he he pinpointed the exact moment he knew he had to make changes, and it was a very emotional. Uh, press conference, and we saw he went three rounds with Edson Barbosa in a very entertaining fight. So uh, I, I know Brian Ortega is going to be in a good fight, regardless of what's going in it, going on in his life. But he said he found that love again for MMA. Like he remembers when he used to fight for free, he used to fight for fifty or a hundred dollars, and he loved it. But he just loved it, and then he just lost his way, and and now he's he, he's refound that love of of fighting. So. Um, 
I just I I I, I favored Korean Zombie going into this fight. I but I think it's much more. And I don't want to say Brian Ortega's words made it fifty fifty, but it's making it just makes me wonder what type of fighter we're gonna get from Brian Ortega. Like, is he gonna be more methodical, come out with a game plan, and uh, have 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 better have better striking and actually uh, look for submissions and knockouts rather than just going out there and guns blazing with no game plan. So it just, it raised more questions of his, of his game plans more than anything, but I still slightly favor Korean zombie in what should be still be an epic fight. I was going to ask you if you can even emotionally make a pick for this fight, Jose. <laughs> well, we're under the assumption that this is fight is going to happen. Uh, I think obviously I think we're all in agreement that the Korean zombie will probably have the edge standing up. Uh, Brian Ortega's boxing is, is great. Uh, but it's not. It, this is MMA. You got to have everything uh, well rounded. And I just think Korean Zombies is much more polished, especially with Eddie Cha in his corner, his longtime striking coach, who I think is one of the uh, more underrated coaches in all of MMA, especially in the striking department. Uh, he's really turned a lot of fighters around, both in the lab and fight ready in Arizona. So the Korean Zombie, I, I give the edge uh, in the stand up department. And of course, every fight starts standing. Uh, Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie are. Phenomenal on the ground. It's two of the absolute best. But Korean Zombie, like like AK said, gets the twisters, the Darce chokes, just these real unorthodox submissions, and they're they're mostly attacking style. Like when he got Dustin Poirier with the with the Darce choke, it was off a flying knee. It was a flying knee into the fence into a Darce choke, which honestly, like that's that's my favorite fight of all time. Like if I'm watching, if I want to watch fights, I'll watch that fight just in general. It's it's my absolute favorite fight from beginning to end. And then Brian Ortega is much more reactionary when it comes with to his submissions. Like he'll snatch up the neck or he'll snatch up the uh, limb or something like he, he doesn't always look for the submission, but when the opening is there, he takes advantage of his opponent's mistake because he is so good. So if the Korean zombie like makes a mistake early, especially when they're dry and Brian Ortega snatches hold or a limb or a neck or something, it's going to be a rough night in a straight up jujitsu competition. I'd obviously favor Brian Ortega, black belt and Gracie jujitsu. And what probably one of the better uh, rep- representatives of the, of the grappling department, especially in the featherweight division. I just we've seen it a million times. You get two fighters with a high level grappling, it usually turns into a stand up fight. Mm. Uh, Brian Ortega didn't really show much grappling or, or wrestling against Max Holloway, so I have to lean towards the Korean zombie. I don't know if we'll get the finish. I just think his striking is better and he hits harder, and that's honestly what it comes down to. AK, what is your what is your pick? You know, I, I, I'm leaning towards Ortega. I, I had the opportunity to to speak extensively with Ortega at, go ahead of this fight. So maybe there's a little bit of a bias there um, as far as him just kind of saying all the right things, pushing all the right buttons and, and, and kind of following the right narrative that we want to see when a fighter is coming off their first loss. Because he does strike me as someone who who needed that loss uh, to, to learn a lot of things, put things in perspective, whatever cliches you want to throw out there, and that he'll, he'll become stronger after the loss. We learn more from our losses than our defeats, et cetera. But uh, it, it could go either way. It's tough to say. So, you know, one of the things he talked about a lot was how j- just fundamentally he knew, like, how flawed he was. You know, he was saying, like, man, I, I finally realized I should probably, uh, you know, fight a little bit defensively. You know, I can't just march forward and be that warrior and just brawl. And But that style is what made him so successful. So you have to wonder if making any kind of adjustments once you reach this level, once you're at this level already, making those kind of adjustments can be scary. Maybe it takes you to the next level. Maybe you kind of lose that that magic that, again, brought you to the dance that made you a world title contender. We don't know. Uh, I'm leaning towards it being a good thing. I, I think that he, uh, that if you can make stage uh, adjustments at this stage, then good on you. But until he steps in the cage, we don't know. Uh, we don't know how effective it will be. But he, he is saying all the right things. And uh, so in that sense, I... I like what I'm hearing. I think we'll see a more, 
we'll say more focused, uh, more, I don't know, say more technical, but maybe just a little more thoughtful, which I think is what you need to be when you're fighting someone like like a Korean zombie. And if it breaks down to a dogfight, then Ortega knows how to do that for sure. He's, he has, he's, he, he does not shy away from those at all. And then it comes up a little bit more of a 50-50, but I, I don't know. I just like, I like Ortega's chances. I think he could submit zombie. And when I say submit, I mean zombie's Ooh. not going to tap. I mean, I mean he's going to choke him unconscious. I think we're have to like you got to put the zombie. You're going to have to put this zombie in the dirt. He's not. I don't see him tapping out to anything. Man, and Moshe had the, the the air horns for that for that take. Ak, that was fire, my man. <laughs> there, there's a speaking of cliches, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, of course, but it also creates a little bit of mystery too because we haven't seen Ortega in quite some time, nearly <laughs> two years. So. What has he done over these last two years? He's been recovering. Obviously, he's you know trying to improve himself. And I will say that Ortega's scrum did change my outlook a little bit. He seems to be in a great focused place. So that definitely weighs on my mind quite a bit. That said, it hasn't changed my pick overall. I'm still going with the Korean zombie to get it done. How he does it, I'm not even going to try and guess. But I think zombie gets it done in a... I'll, I'll say a very spirited matchup at 145 pounds. <laughs> it's going to be really good. I can't wait to see it. It's going to happen tomorrow night. Co-main event, big one for the women's flyweight division. Jessica Andrade enters 125 to face Caitlin Chukagian. Andrade, of course, the former women's strawweight champion. She may have found herself a path to another title shot if the dominoes fall into place here. That's my opinion, AK, especially with Cynthia Calvillo withdrawing from her fight with Lauren Murphy next weekend at UFC 254. If Jessica Andrade beats Caitlin Chukagan tomorrow night and does so at least somewhat impressively, is she next in line to fight the winner of Shevchenko and Maya? Yeah, I mean, look, method matters. Uh, and if she picks up a big first round, second round knockout, just one of the, you know, some one hitter quitter, the kind of knockout that really only Jessica Andrade, maybe Amanda Nunez, just go think about the the, the best female fighters uh, in the UFC. There's, there's very few that have that one strike uh, knockout power. Holly Holm maybe on a good day, but uh, we know Andrade does, and she's shown it at 115. I don't think it'll have that power will have much issues translating to 125. If anything, 125 really feels like the class maybe she should have been uh, been in all along. Despite the great success she had at 115, you know, uh, we always say, like, we always encourage fighters, if they can avoid that weight cut and still kind of be of reasonable size for a certain weight class, then that's the weight class they should fight in. So I don't know if 115 is ruled out, but I think 125 is really good for her, and I think we'll see how good it is uh, tomorrow against Chikagian. Again, especially if she gets that big win. And without hesitation, I mean, we can say that a knockout gets her that shot against Shevchenko. I think it's a fight that when uh, when Andrade was the champion, you know, people thought, oh, that'd be a cool super fight one day. Well, it no longer has to be a super fight. We know there's not as many pieces that have to move, be moved around now. She really just has to get a highlight reel win against or a convincing win against one opponent. And uh, this fight could happen, I mean, even before the end of the year. I, I doubt it, but I imagine Shevchenko would want to fight again at some point. Uh, what do you think, Jose? I mean, Shevchenko's going to fight Maya next month. Oh, I keep So kidding. that's that's all set up. Uh, <laughs> Lauren Murphy is a, is welcoming a newcomer. I did speak to Lauren yesterday. She said that if all goes well and according to plan, she wants to to compete next Saturday, get a win, and then fight Calvillo before the year is over. So she wants to cement her place as one of the top contenders, if not the top contender, heading into 2021. But can Andrade sort of take all of this all of this momentum away from the rest of this division if she gets a win tomorrow night? I think it would really depend at, like on how she wins. Like if we leave Saturday night or Sunday morning for in in 
and where I am, it would really, if everyone is saying like, man, I would love to see Jessica Andrade fight Valentina Shevchenko. Then of course that's the fight that we should make, especially with Lauren Murphy, uh, not fight Cynthia Calvillo. But if, if Lauren Murphy gets her wish as she told you and wins on Saturday, Sunday morning, and then fight Cynthia Calvillo, maybe on the same card as Valentina, if, if that, if that's possible, maybe the December pay-per-view, then it has to be her, uh, but stuff has to play out first because it's just impossible to plan, uh, in 2020. Like I've said it, like I asked a lot of fighters, like, is it hard to even come up with a game plan and fight camp knowing you might go, you might go through two, three opponents before you even step into the octagon. So, Hey, if Lauren Murphy wins, uh, impressively, I think she's done enough to get that to get that title shot. Considering she's actually been competing in this weight class, but if Andrade goes out there and does what she did to Rose uh, or what she did to Carolina Carolina Kovalkiewicz, which I think a lot of people forget, uh, that knockout is one of the greatest knockouts I've seen in a woman's in a women's fight, especially a straw strawweight. Like we don't see a lot of one punch knockouts uh, below 135, and that was just a destruction in Dallas. So if she pulls off something like that, which I don't think she will, because that's not who, I, who I'm. She's again, she's not who I'm picking to win. But if she does that to Kanye Chikagian, then yes, yeah, sign me up for her versus Valentina Shevchenko, because I think we're also all in agreement that Valentina will most likely be Jennifer Maya. Of course, AK. Like Jose just touched on, this will not be an easy test against Caitlin Chukagian tomorrow night. She's six and three in the UFC. She does have the loss to Shevchenko earlier this year. The others were very close split decisions to Jessica I, one against Liz Carmouche, and the Carmouche one was at 135 pounds, which is way above where Caitlin fought in CFFC and throughout her regional days. Very tough customer, certainly has the style. She has a significant height advantage. I think it's like eight inches. She's got a four, yeah. four to five inch reach advantage. So there's a lot to like here if you're playing the pony, so to speak, on Caitlin Chukagan. What sticks out to you when you look at this, the X's and O's of this co-main event, AK? Uh, first, a minor correction, Mike. I believe she's at seven and three in the UFC. Well... No, okay. That's it. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. That's it. I'll see you guys later. Cool story, bro. I'll see you guys later. George, <laughs> okay, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm here for. No, uh, <laughs> I don't want to uh, spend too much on Jose's toes. I think when we do the picks, I think he's going to break this one down a little bit more. But I agree. Uh, while Andrade kind of has the name value, maybe a, high, a little bit more name value and is the has the championship pedigree, of course, at 115, Chukagian has a lot of the characteristics that have foiled uh, Andrade in the past. So if people want to look at, you know, uh, the people that Andrade has lost to, it's it, it's very easy to draw parallels. So so for sure, uh, this is not by any means. We keep saying, oh, you know, Andrade's opportunity to get a title shot. It's so far that uh, you know that's very much far from guaranteed. Uh, but that said, um, the, the 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 one issue with Kagan is she doesn't have the power. I think the finishing ability of like a Rose Namajunas. Or even uh, Joanna Jacek. I know Joanna is not really considered as much of a fight finisher either, but there's a certain snap and a power to her punches that uh, that there's an effectiveness there that I don't know if people see the same thing Jukagian. So again, I won't d- d- dive too deeply into the pick, but I do think uh, it's a more competitive fight than people think. But uh, I am leaning towards Andrade. So I guess we can we can uh, elaborate more on that when we get to our actual, you know, making our picks. All right, Jose, let's make the picks. And by the way, AK. Was correct. Seven and three in the UFC. Forgot the the Lauren Murphy fight at the beginning of her career. Um, I'm out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, George. Appreciate Job's it. Done. <laughs> That's it for thank me. Thank you, George. Yeah. Going a high note. Costanza, there you go. <laughs> who, who do you like in this fight, Jose? 
Uh, Kalinch Kagan. I think she's just a, a pretty, she's not a spectacular, like she's not a spectacular fighter in terms of when it comes to highlight reels, but she's just a, a, a solid overall technical fighter. And she has John Don her in her corner of curse, of course. So, uh, he's absolutely unbelievable. He's one of the, like the best jujitsu, like if you want a jujitsu coach, like doesn't get much better than that. I uh, trained, she trains with the Mark Henry's team. So she's obviously her standup is on point. Uh, so the work is there. Like, like you said, the height advantage there. I think she said in the media day, uh, the, the height differential between her and Andrade would be like, if she fought John Jones, like that's the equivalent of it. Like if she stood next to John Jones, that's what Andrade looks like standing next to her. And when I heard that, I'm like, God damn, like <laughs> that can't be that ridiculous. Can it? And then they stared down and you just see how long and, 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 uh, and like slender, uh, Kalen Chukagan's limbs are. And then Andrade is just like a tank with muscles and no neck and everything. I'm like, Oh, I think this is going to be a rough night for Jessica Andrade, especially because people just say, Oh, just take, take Kalen Chukagan down. You can mess her up there. That's what Valentina did this and that. But Kalen Chukagan is super tall. You got to get through her reach first. And she's actually pretty good on the ground. Uh, so I think it's going to be a long night for Andrade. I think it'll be similar to the Joanna fight where Joanna just basically kept her a range for five rounds in Dallas and in route to a decision. She has the loss to Rose. She obviously beat Rose, but I think she was losing to our Dodge was losing to Rose until she dropped her on her head. I think that's fair to say. And then all her other fights have just been to bigger fighters, longer fighters. So I just think everything going into this fight favors Kyle Jukagan outside of the power. So if Andrade gets a hold of her and just grinds her into the ground, I can just powers through her submission defense or just connects and unloads with a barrage of strikes, then she could win. I just don't see that happening. So I favor Kyle Jukagan in this fight. I just think it's going to be a three round like decision win which is fine because that's what Kalen Chukagan does. I just think she's a slightly a step ahead of her in the 125 pound division. AKA you're leaning Andrade. Why? Man, is Andrade five foot one? Is she build a five foot one? Yep. Are you guys seeing this? And Chukagan's five foot nine? Yes. That's what they're billed at. Guys, I'm going to give you my analysis here. That's eight inches of difference. <laughs> uh, yeah. so I'm going to give you a little pro... <laughs> Some, you know, they say there's no place for analytics in uh, in MMA. There's a little analytics for you. Uh, Kate, five foot nine is eight inches taller than five foot one. We can double check that math later. I see Jose is double checking the math on his calculator right now. I I knew that Caitlin Chukagi was bigger, but like you guys said, until I saw them and then until I just looked at their respect, I did not think that Andrade was that short. Uh, I still, oh gosh, I, I have to stick with my pick now. I mean, I don't have to, but I'm going to. Because... <laughs> I like. I just like the, the honestly. It's the it's the danger element that uh, that uh, Andrade brings. And again, almost no female fighter outside of uh, Amanda Nunez can bring in any weight class. I think Andrade is just so has such a level of explosiveness and ability to finish that no one can match. Now, again, is that something that she can implement against these long rangey fighters without them making a mistake, like like uh, Namajunas might have done in their first fight? I I don't know. You know, it's, I, I agree. It is, it is very difficult. Getting inside an opponent like Kendrick Kagan is just, you know, again, like I said, oh, just for a takedown, single leg, whatever. Really hard. Really hard. Um, and, and I think Andrade's going to be really frustrated. I think, I think you're going to have to see how mature she's become uh, as a fighter. Because it, because that that will be the test. This is a this is a mental game. It's as much as it is a physical uh, and and skill set game. This is mental because she's gonna she is gonna have a lot of times in the fight where just she will not be able to lay a hand on Chukagan. Like literally, will not be able to lay a hand on her. Uh, but if yeah. she can work through those moments and find find her find the timing, I think she can find a finish. So I I do think that this fight 
will not go the distance. And because I, I think that, and I have to go with Andrade, because I think Andrade is the one who finishes the fight. So I don't feel great also, about it, I'll tell you, but I'm going to go stick with my Andrade pick. Kalen Chukagan has a six-inch reach advantage, yeah, too, that's for a those lot. of you wondering. 62 to 68. And then, and, and then it's not even counting legs. Like, they don't do the leg reach thing. Like, I yeah, bet her yeah, leg yeah. reach is even more, right? Like, oh, man. It's interesting because when you think of, like, a power puncher like Jessica Andrade, usually equated to if you can survive weather the storm early, you can outlast someone like that. But we've seen Andrade sort of evolve over the years. Like, heading into, like, the the Yuani and Jacek fight were like, all right, if, 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 if Yanjacek can just like get out of the first round or two, she should be able to pick her apart. But we saw in the, in the Rose Nami Yunus fight that eventually she's a little more patient. If you give her an inch, she'll take it and she'll do devastating things with that because she hammered Rose Nami Yunus in that third round and really turned the tide there. So what I think will end up happening is I think, I think Chukagin will be able to use her, her, her reach, those advantages that she has with the height and all of that for a couple of rounds, but at some point in this 15 minutes of action, Andrade is going to get her hands on Caitlin Chukagin. It's going to happen. So can Caitlin Chukagin withstand that storm at the end of the fight? I think the third round is going to be super interesting and it will determine everything. That being said, I think Chukagin can take it. I think she'll be able to. I think she will earn a decision, but man, is she going to have to fight for it down the stretch? That's what I think, but it's going to be a good fight. Main card fills out with Modestus Bukoskis versus Jimmy Crute. That's a good one at 205. Big step up for the former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion, Claudio Silva and the James Krause. And then Thomas Almeida returns for the first time since UFC 220 when he lost to Rob Font in January 2018. He's going to fight Jonathan Martinez. Really solid main card. Some really interesting preliminary fights as well. A lot of uh, under-the-radar options, Jose. So what sticks out to you, whether it be fighter or fight? Uh, obviously, Mateus Gamrot is joining the UFC this weekend, and man, I've been waiting for him to be in the UFC for quite a while. And the fact that he, his signing was overshadowed by Michael Chandler uh, was a little disappointing for me, not because I dislike Michael Chandler, because I just wanted to see the fanfare that maybe hardcore MMA fans uh, would, would, would just shower him when it comes to when they announced that signing. But then Michael Chandler signs not soon after, and Gamera was quickly forgotten in the lightweight division, but my God, is the lightweight division so exciting right now? Obviously, Jillian uh, uh, Robertson's fighting a uh, friend of the A side, trains with Shorty Torres and Dean Thomas. She has, I think she's tied or broken the record for most admissions in women's MMA and the UFC. I think she, she either tied or broke Ronda Rousey's record. She just got her black belt uh, from Dean Thomas, so she's been on cloud nine. Uh, she was very, very nervous for her media day, uh, but she got through it. Um, Putting on the Batello is not concerned uh, her, with her black belt, her new black belt, or her ground skills, because in her words, I dream of black belts every day, so it is what it is. So obviously the Jimmy Crute fight, you said, the Thomas Almeida fight. Uh, so all around, uh, exciting fight all from top to bottom. Uh, no, like Obviously the main event is unbelievable. I still think last week's was slightly better in terms of talent on the card, but you stick Mateus Gamera on any card and Jose is going to watch. So oh yeah, that he would be, if I have to say one fighter to watch, it, it's going to be him, which means he's probably going to have a bad fight because I've cursed him because this card is cursed. I don't know if you cursed him or the fact that you used your name and talked about yourself in the third person may have cursed him, but it is what it is. <laughs> You're an avatar. <laughs> but, uh, it is what it is. Yes. AK, what stands out to you in the under the radar department? Uh, guys, look, who is most likely to land a Joaquin Buckley leg caught and spinning kick KO? 
I'll tell you who it is. It's John Phillips. All right. John Phillips, I know anyone who's seen him fight in the UFC, UFC so far, probably not impressed, but he came in with as uh, with the reputation as this like insane knockout artist. He has one, he has one in the UFC. It's like a sub 20 second knockout. So there's that. They can replant that, uh, that on his highlight reel all they want. The rest of it is a lot of him getting taken down and submitted, uh, which I hope Jen Young Park does not try to do because uh, Jen Young Park, he can he can grapple a little bit. So if he wants to be, if he wants to be smart and he wants to try and win the fight, Yes, he may want to mix in some takedowns and, and, and you know try and go for submission with John Phillips. But if he wants to be a hero, if he wants to be a man, you stand and bang with John Phillips. All right, you stand and bang, and you roll the dice, and maybe you pay the price. We don't know, but you 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 just uh, that's what I want to see. So, but top to bottom, honestly, I don't know any, any fight uh, on this card that doesn't have potential to either be. Uh, an exciting fight or or end in an exciting finish. The only one that might drag a little bit uh, with respect to these guys, Antigulov Grecian. I don't know. Now that I say that's probably gonna end in like an amazing like 10 second flying KO. So <laughs> to enjoy the enjoy the jinx guys, the reverse jinx. But otherwise, um the other matchup I'm really looking forward to is uh J- Jimmy Malarkey uh Ferris Iam, I think is also gonna be really good, uh really, really good back and forth fight. That one I think is fights that might go to a decision, that might be the uh, the best one besides possibly the main event or or Chikagian Andraj. And uh, the other thing I want to ask is, why is Jillian Robertson not a bigger star? I don't know. Some trouble with the media. I mean, she's not. She's not. The, she has. A, she has a good personality, but I get it. Not the smoothest, you know, media personality. But she finishes fights. Uh, she's. She's. She's one of the rising contenders at 125. Uh, she's Canadian, which everybody loves, for as I know. Uh, so I don't know. I, I hope that she has a stand-up form. But Pollyanna would tell you a really tough fight. Uh, this is this is like a this that's a coin toss fight for me though. I don't think that's a showcase fight for for Jillian Robertson at all. But I'm surprised. I'm surprised the UFC hasn't given her more of a push. Well, I mean, they I matched her up with Macy Barber last year. Yeah, and that was kind of like they did. That was yeah. more for Macy. Macy got all the hype though. He was still going into that fight. Yeah, I agree, and I think that kind of rub people the wrong way because everyone expected that to be a banger and Barbara ended up running through her. But Robertson's obviously doing much better. She's overcome that. She's breaking records now and she wants to break some more records along the way. So that's going to be a fun fight to watch. I think Gamrot's debut, as Jose talked about, yeah. in general is under the radar and him taking on Kutatalatze is uh, is certainly the definition of under the radar. And normally I would go a little bit deeper in the card with these, but uh I really like the Bukowskis crew fight, man, oh, especially yeah. in the featured spot. I mean, it wasn't originally there because the Cyril Gon fight was still there, but man, this is a good one for that spot. Now, I mean, Crute is a freaking powerhouse, and Bukowskis is a guy that I've been singing his praises for a couple of years now. Just great personality. He's just 26 years of age. The guy finishes fights. That's all he does. And clearly, he's somebody the UFC sees something in to give him this kind of a step up in competition. For just a second UFC fight, I was a little surprised at this booking, but I like it nonetheless. So I think this is the under the radar fight of the card and could deliver some some good stuff, perhaps some bonus money. I don't know if we're going to get a Buckley KO out of it, but I think uh, this will be a fun one, no doubt about if it. If he's a man, apparently, according <laughs> to AK, if he doesn't want a to real man, <laughs> whatever. But that's that, that is was- that's a, that's a. That's a great piece of matchmaking, though, as they say in the business, uh, Crute, Crute and uh, Bukowskis. That is a great little, great little they, mor- a, a morsel, a morsel of well, matchmaking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. As you say, as they say in the business, that's yeah. a great fight. No, that's they say, what they, I, say? I said this, they say. They say it's a great piece of matchmaking. It's a great morsel. It's a little, little oh. nice little, little morsel of matchmaking for you to nibble on. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not the whole meal. As they say, <laughs> as they say in the business, that's a fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Jose, you watch baseball. It's like when they go like this. As guy's a they real say player. in the business, that was a punch and a kick. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing. I don't. I don't know if we can get much better than that. I think uh, we have to Costanza our 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 Tukas is on out of here. 9.0, 9.0, Mike. My gymnastics rating for this car since you asked. 9.0 is ceiling. Okay. Well, there you go. Now we can officially put a bow on this preview show here <laughs> on MMAfighting.com. Of course, we are your one-stop shop for all things Fight Island and UFC Fight Island 6. Thanks to our guy, Jose, in Abu Dhabi. He is there. He'll have all the post-fight chats. We'll have results, storylines, post-fight coverage, etc. So we have you covered as always. Jose, get some sleep, my man. There you go. Someday. For, <laughs> there you go. For Jose Youngs, for Alex K. Lee, the fiery Prince of Positivity, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.